Gina Della from Pella. And let me tell you, 555 is back. Get up to five years no interest, five months no first payment, and 5% same-day order savings at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. See PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the program. It is nice to be back in the USA. So we were talking about with uh, Steve and Carol. Touchdown last night. Got home about 11 o'clock. Spent the last week or so with a group of our WTMJ listeners, a wonderful group, several of whom have traveled with us on multiple occasions. Uh, we were in France, started in Paris, and then went to see a bunch of sites. Uh, I'll give you the, the, the quick rundown on this. Um, if you ever get a chance to go to Paris, if you ever get a chance to go to Normandy, take it from me, do it. I, I have been really blessed in my life to have, have traveled, uh, I don't want to say extensively over the world, but I, I've been to a lot of places, and I will tell you, I, I just absolutely love France, and this this may have been the best trip as far as, as places that you got to see. Um, if you ever get a chance to go to Normandy, Please, you, you, as an American, you owe it to yourself to, to do it. As a student of history, it was just amazing to stand in these places where, you know, in June, June 6th of, of 1944, where you had, you know, thousands and thousands of American troops, you know, landed on these beaches. And, and you, you, you go right there. I mean, we were at Utah Beach and we were at Omaha Beach where 3,000 Americans lost their lives in one day. And, and we were in, um, uh, Mare St. Iglaise, which is, if you've ever seen Band of Brothers, that's where the, the paratroopers landed. And you, you can see, I mean, the, the, the emplacements are still there. You can see the church where the American paratrooper got caught up on the steeple. The, the embankments where, where the Germans had all the guns, they're, they're still there. We visited Ponte Hoc, which is where these 200 army rangers went up this sheer cliff because you had to take out these guns. Because if you stand, you can see there's Utah Beach, there's Omaha Beach. And if you don't take out these guns from this other location, 
and people are going to be shooting down. And then, of course, there's the American Cemetery in Normandy where 6,000-plus Americans are buried. It's just – it is a breathtaking I- experience. Um, I posted – if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 I, I posted a, a handful of photos from some of the different places, several from the locations we visited in Normandy, and then, you know, got to see the Arc the Triumph and the Eiffel Tower and went to the palace at Versailles where Louis the 14th and 15th and then Louis the 16th who was of course married to Mary Antoinette and we know how that turned out where, where they were got a chance to play golf over the English the, the French don't call it the English Channel they call it the Strait but we, we got a chance to play golf in the spectacular golf course overlooking um, the English Channel or the Strait or whatever you want to call it it was just a wonderful trip and we we did it with lots of great listeners I, if you ever get a chance to go there we did the River cruise route, which I think is, for, for me, that's the way to go. But I think everybody had a great time, and it was just absolutely spectacular. The other thing I, I know, because I was going through this as well, I, I know traveling in the pandemic world, there, there's a lot of questions. Is it, are you going to be able to do it? Is the hassle factor going to be worth it? And I'm just, I'm here to tell you, it it was not any sort of significant hassle at all. Clearing customs, you know, to get over there, no problem. The, the customs people, when we came back, could not have been nicer. No problem, at least for me, going through with that at all. You needed, um, in, in, in France, you needed to have a copy of your vaccination card to get into like a lot of the buildings inside. But you just, it's, it's not like your strip search or anything. You flash it. They, they, they let you in. There was, there was no significant problem at all. And if you are thinking about traveling in the near future, I would encourage you to, to give it some strong consideration and do it because the crowds are less. Stuff is just starting to open up. Our, as I was mentioning earlier, our tour guide said, Hey, uh, normally when you go to the palace at Versailles, there's going to be 50 tour buses. Well, we, we, there were two or three, so there, there weren't long lines. We went to the Moulin Rouge, which is the, I, I don't know, it's the, the famous entertainment spot where, you know, and we went Saturday night. They just opened up. They did their first performance in a year and a half on Friday night. So, you know, it, it was not, they, they limited the capacity to 400. Normally it's like seven or 800. And it was, it was just great. So if you're thinking about going and you're worried that there's going to be a hassle or I'm going to get stuck over there or it's going to be too much problem, I, I'm just telling you our experience was that was not the case. And because so many of these places and locations really depend on tourism. I will tell you, the, the, everything is first rate because the, these industries are glad and the people they're working at them, they're thrilled to have the, the tourists back. So if you get a chance to do it, I, again, I, I encourage you to do it. And if you want to send me texts or emails or something, you got some specific questions, I'll, I'll, I'll try to give you my best perspective on it. But if Normandy's not on your bucket list, it, it really should be. And if you want to see a couple of our pictures again, it's, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. But it was a, a wonderful trip. And thanks to everybody who went along. And thanks to the folks at Fox World Travel for organizing the whole thing. And uh, we, we just had a, a genuinely great time. And so it's, it, it's good to be back. I am not jet lagged for some reason. We, um, I think my wife was making fun of me because I, I, <clears throat> I'm able to sleep on the planes and stuff. So I, I kind of got a lot of sleep. And so there's a seven hour time difference. So this is like 7.15 in the evening. But um, I'm, I'm refreshed, ready, ready to go, ready to start the program. Thanks to Scott Warris for filling in. Let, and by the way, one of the things coming back yesterday, one of the things that I, I, I was not able to follow, probably for the best, I have no comments on the Packers game because I did not see any of the the Packers game. It was one of those deals where you you land 
you kind of, you know, your your internet connection comes back on. You kind of scroll down and you see, huh, 38 to 3, the Packers lost. Huh. Well, I guess there's no need to, like, try. I, I had I had made arrangements to, like, you know, DVR the, the Packers game. I don't think there's any necessary reason to watch that bad boy. Let's just send it off into cyberspace. So I, I have no no intelligent commentary to offer you on the, the apparently the debacle that went on because I did not see any of it. We'll just kind of chalk that one up and say, okay, move, move on to the next week's. But I'm, I, let me put it like this. I am glad I did not make arrangements to come back earlier so I could have watched that. My, my choice was come back earlier so you could watch the Packers game or sit in this wonderful cafe in downtown Paris, have a couple of bottles of wine with some friends and my lovely wife, All right, I made the better choice. Trust me on this one. I made the better choice. Okay, when we come back, all right, what about 9-11 could possibly offend some people? Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. Good to be back. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So Saturday was, of course, uh, September 11th, the 20th anniversary of the terrorist attack on the United States. We talked a little bit about it before I left for vacation. It, and I understand that, that there's been a lot of time. In some respects, as I've said before, in some respects with September 11th, it feels like it was yesterday. In other respects, it feels like it was, was a lifetime ago. But I, I, I remember I remember and I understand there's a there's a generation of Americans that were born that have no frame of reference of September 11th at all. It is it is something that's in the history books like like D-Day or, you know, like the war in Vietnam. It, it's just it, it's just something that, that you read about. But for those of us who, of course, lived on September 11th, we we remember not only what happened that day, but the immediate aftermath and then the long term aftermath of it. In any event, th- this is a story that I found in, incredibly incredibly interesting, and I, I was curious as to your reaction to it. The story comes from Washington State, not Washington, D.C., but Washington State. There were, there's, there's this high school. It's called East Lake High School, and what, they were going to play a football game, okay? So you get the East Lake High School football team, and so what happens is the student leadership last week decided that, hey, we want to commemorate September 11th. So what we want to do is we want to promote a, a theme. Apparently for the different football games, they have themes. And so the theme for last week's game was to be a Patriots Day theme. And the, the idea would be that we're going to, it, we want to, we want to honor Okay, that what happened on September 11th and the loss of life and always remember. So we want to encourage people to dress. We want the students to dress in red, white, and blue. And this is a student-organized thing. Come dressed in a patriotic fashion. Wear your red, white, and blue, all right, because we want to encourage people to remember what happened on September 11th. Now, you would not think that that would be controversial, but if that was your attitude, you would be wrong because apparently the principal – found out that the students were trying to organize this dress in red, white, and blue theme to commemorate September 11th, and the principal shut it down. I swear I'm not making up this up. The principal sent out an email saying that wearing these colors, that would be red, white, and blue, could, quote, unintentionally cause offense 
to some who see it differently. Unintentionally cause offense to some who see it differently. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This themed event was canceled on Friday during the the student announcements. Um, The principal says, our leadership teachers made this decision and explained it to the students. I know this is the principal. I know tomorrow is 9-11, and I understand the sacrifice and values our flag represents, but I think they just did not want to unintentionally cause offense to some who see it differently. All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, we are now telling high school students that you cannot dress in red, white, and blue to commemorate September 11th because some may see it differently, even though you do not intend to offend anybody. Let's see, how can I ask this question? What the hell is wrong with this principle, and what the hell is wrong with teachers in leadership that would somehow think that in an effort to memorialize and make kids remember the tragic losses that occurred on September 11th, that you shouldn't show up at a football game wearing red, white, and blue? 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And maybe this really hit a nerve with me, because like I say, I last Thursday, I was at Normandy, all right? You, you see the sacrifices that Americans had to try to bring freedom to the entire world. We know the sacrifices that Americans made on 9-11, and now we're told that we cannot, students are being told that they should not wear patriotic clothing to a football game because some might not see it that way and might be offended by the red, white, and blue clothing. Who is going to reasonably be offended by people wearing red, white, and blue to commemorate September 11th? And if those people are offended, do we really care? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Here's a text. Jeff, I recently became a U.S. citizen. Congratulations to you, by the way. And I feel beyond blessed to call the USA home and what it represents. To have individuals in leadership roles make crazy decisions like this is mind-boggling. Yeah, if you're just tuning in, this is a high school in Washington State. The kids, the students decided, hey, what we're going to do, we, we have, they have themes for the different football games. Our theme for the game that was to be played on September 9th, uh, September 10th was going to be Patriots Day. We want to remember the, the, the tragedy of 9-11. We want people to come dressed in red, white, and blue. The school officials said, nope, we are not going to allow that. We are canceling this because, again, we, we are concerned that some people might be offended by this. Well, okay. At, at some point, you say, look, if you've got some wacko somewhere that's going to be offended by kids showing up to recognize 9-11 by wearing red, white, and blue outfits, at some point in time, you just say, you know, you, you, you got a buddy, you're the one that's got the problem, not these kids that are showing up with the flags. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Chris in Milwaukee. Hi, Chris. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Real well. Thank you, sir. Good. You know, this is absolutely ridiculous on that part. Hopefully all the students wore even more red, white, and blue. And I have a similar situation. 
I went to a Marine Corps boot camp the second semester of my senior year so I could come back and graduate in my dress blues across the stage. Yep. My principal said no for the exact same reason this one did, but my best friend's mom dared me to do it. So, of course, what I did, I had my dress blues underneath my gown. I shook the principal's hand. He gave me my diploma. I ripped off the gown and I got a standing ovation because this was right after Desert Storm started. Well, you know that that I mean, thanks to call and thank you for your service. I mean, I remember those stories as well, and, and and I agree with you. It seems to me if you're willing to serve your country, you leave high school early, you graduate from the Marine Corps boot camp. If you want to wear, I agree. If you want to wear your dress blues at the co- high school graduation, you should be able to do it. And my guess is that there wasn't one of your classmates who was offended, but maybe some of these educators who sit there around there and they navel gaze and they. Think Think, oh, this might be a problem. Somebody might be upset somewhere. But so at one point in time, you just have to say, who cares? Uh, trust me, you cannot make everybody happy. There's going to be a couple people, including I've got one guy here. Oh, who? what's the big deal a Big deal about this? Yeah, we have to be sensitive to people. Okay, yeah, well, no, you don't. There are crazies out there. There are loonies out there. You cannot, you cannot dumb stuff down to the lowest common denominator. And if you're going to be offended by kids showing up to represent the United States and to try to recognize nine. 11 by wearing red, white, and blue, and somebody doesn't like it, it's that person's problem. Let, let's stop catering to the, this idea that if somebody somewhere pretends to be offended, we need to bow down to it. Um, Caleb and Mequon, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Sure. Listen, I'm a volunteer, you know, I'm call firefighter with uh, Mequon. And it's heartbreaking to, to hear some of that stuff. I mean, I grew up in Connecticut, uh, about 45 minutes from New York City. Towers went down, and it was just totally heartbreaking to hear some of the stories. We lost hundreds of people that, from Connecticut in the tragedy. And when I was in high school, I graduated high school in 2017, I was in an advanced placement uh, government class, uh, government politics class. And the class was focused on American government and stuff like that. And during the class, we were going through the Clinton-Trump election. And instead of having educated and good discussion on the election, the school board barred our teacher from discussing it at all. We could not discuss the federal election in our advanced placement class. So it's just this fascinate in education to blacklist anything that could be dared offensive, anything that, you know, could cause controversy or whatever. And at some point, you just got to say, well, grow up. Right, grow up. Yeah, no, Caleb. Absolutely, Caleb. Thanks for your perspective and thanks for your call. That that's exactly that. See, that's it. Okay, 2017. So if you graduated high school in 2017, you 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 probably have no real recollection of 9/11 when it happened. But you want to make that recognition. You want to have this discussion. You want to have this conversation about it. But because somebody somewhere might be offended, particularly if somebody offers something other than the the conventional orthodoxy or whatever, well, at that point in time, well, no. We, we, we can't even allow that, and, and especially when if this is a conservative thought, we we can't have it. You know, some people are suggesting was this a was this a concern that gee, if if you allow red, white, and blue, that might be a, a link to to Trump, and it might be sending this subliminal message. Who cares? It's red, white, and blue. Trust me, I just got back from Normandy. There are American flags all over honoring. 
thousands and thousands of Americans who gave their life so the world could be free. You know, to, to sit here and hear about high schools in the United States that might think, well, somebody might be offended if the kids wear red, white, and blue. That those administrators, collectively, the people that made these decisions, need to be sacked, and they need to be given other th- figure out, you know, what their rest of their life's work is going to ma- be. Because if they're making decisions that are this bad, they should not be in charge of young people, period. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This week's sponsor for the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase presented by Great Midwest Bank are senior realtors Bruce and Gene Nemovitz. I'll tell you a little bit more about this a little later on in the program, but do not miss their free, free webinar next week. It's Tuesday, September 21st at 10 a.m. I will be participating in it as well. Head to brucesteam.com to register for the free webinar with senior realty specialists Bruce and Gene Nemovitz. This, they, they do this maybe once every year or so. It's it's an incredibly worthwhile presentation. Like I say, I'll tell you a little bit more about it, but it's free to register. Go to their website, brucesteam.com, and check it out. I, you know, I, I hate to say I told you so, but I guess I don't hate to say I told you so. Th- this is this is one of the things I predicted was going to happen, and it is starting to happen, regardless of how you feel about mandatory vaccinations. All right, and there's, there's a split on this. When you have the government that comes in or employers that come in and say you must be vaccinated or you will lose your job. That sounds I acknowledge that sounds really good in theory. But then there's this this real world thing that that happens which is what if people decide to heck with it? We're, we're, we're not going to get vaccinated. And if that means they're going to fire us, they're going to fire us. We'll go do something else. And it particularly applies in areas where you, you have a tough time getting people. Now, I, I haven't checked on the most recent numbers, but, for example, a week or so ago, the estimates were that 40 percent of people who worked in nursing homes. And this isn't just it's not just the nurses, it, it's it, but it's the, the people that clean the floors and the people that change the beds and the people that cook the food. OK, all, all those assistants, they estimated about 40 percent were not vaccinated. So you have these rules in effect that essentially say by November 1st, in order to work in, in an assisted living facility or nursing home, you have to be vaccinated. Well, OK, if 40 percent aren't. And you can't find people to do these jobs anyways. Right, right now, you know, you have nursing homes are chronically understaffed because they just don't have enough people that are going to do the jobs in the first place. And my question has been, regardless of how you feel about vaccinations, what's going to happen when November 1st rolls around if you still have... I don't know, 30 percent of your workforce that's not vaccinated. And what's going to happen when you fire those people? All right. If, if you don't have enough people now, you're suddenly going to get rid of 30 percent of your workforce, uh, an extra 30 percent. What What is that? What do you think that's going to do? Where is the staff going to come from? And so I, I raise this as this kind of real world question. And I know some people are saying, well, get rid of them anyways if they don't want to get vaccinated. OK, that, that's all well and good. But then what's going to happen? Does that mean if your mom is in assisted living and your place now doesn't have enough folks that are there to you know, like service it? Are you going to move in with you? I mean, is that is what's going to happen when these nursing homes close down? The same thing is true in this medical context, because it is a very some people tell me it's not a game of chicken. But but to the extent it is right now, there is a shortage, for example, of trained nurses. 
That, that's just the reality. And you have a number of nurses who, for whatever reason, have decided they don't want to get vaccinated. And I'm not judging one way or the other, but these nurses have decided they don't want to get vaccinated. So they're being told, okay, you have to by October 1st or October 15th or November 1st, or else you're going to lose your job. And a number of nurses, and this is happening in Milwaukee, have already said, okay, including some who are eligible for retirement, fine, we're just going to retire. All right, we're, we're not going to do it. We're, we're going to retire. And if there is a shortage of trained nurses now, what's going to happen if suddenly you lose an extra 10%? And you might not think that's a big deal, but it is a big deal for the staffing. Now, I bring this up because here's the story in the Washington Post. A hospital, an upstate New York hospital, announced it is going to stop delivering babies because several staffers in the maternity department resigned over the hospital system's coronavirus vaccine mandate. At least six unvaccinated unvaccinated maternity staffers at Lewis County General Hospital have resigned in recent days, and seven others remain undecided on whether to get vaccinated, the chief executive said. The staff shortage will result in the hospital being unable to safely staff the maternity department beginning September 25th. The administrator says the number of resignations received leaves us no choice but to pause delivering babies at the hospital. It's my hope that, you know, we we won't have to permanently close the department, but 165 hospital staffers, about 27% of the workforce, remain unvaccinated. 73% of those unvaccinated staffers provide clinical services at the hospital. Now, again, I'm not judging this one way or the other. That's not the purpose of this. But it is to simply say, for all these people out there and the bureaucrats and the politicians going all the way to the top, the Joe Bidens of the world who say, you have to do this. Okay, that that's fine. But without thinking about what the real world consequence of this is, and this is this is just like the first shoe to drop. This is this hospital saying, "All right, we, we've suddenly, we, you know, we, we've just lost, you know, six of the, the nurses that, that deliver the babies. We can't continue to to perform the service, so we're going to have no choice but to stop delivering babies at this particular hospital." Now, you might say, "Okay, what's the big deal about one hospital?" And, and yeah, if it's just this one hospital, it's fine. My feeling is, and I think this is going to be the tip of the iceberg. And for everybody who says, okay, well, this vaccine mandate is going to require my mandate. Everybody's going to be happy and everybody's going to get the vaccine and, and move on. I, I think you're in for a real rude awakening because I think for whatever reason, there's lots of people. And this is from the perspective of somebody who's, who's vaccinated, has no problem with it. When I'm eligible for the booster, I'll get it. But there's a lot of other people who are dug in on that other side and they're willing to, all right, give up their job or or go do something else as opposed to being forced to be vaccinated. And then what are we going to do? And here again, one of the first stories, hospital, you know, maternity ward saying we can't deliver babies anymore. And if you think it's going to stop here, you are you're wrong. All right. So while I was gone, I think it was Friday. uh, Joe Biden goes goes on and says he's had enough. He's sick of the fact that, that people are, are not vaccinated. He, he's mad at this. And by the way, I understand the, prayer, the, the president's frustration in this regard. This is from the perspective, again, of somebody who is, is vaccinated. I believe that being vaccinated is more and more people getting vaccinated is the way to get out of this. So we don't have to wear the darn masks or anything like that. But, but that's what I believe. I also, I believe you can be pro-vaccination as I am, and I believe you can still be, be anti-vaccine mandate. The, the idea that the government is going to essentially force you to get vaccinated. I, I think that's, 
even though I believe people should get vaccinated, there's a difference between saying, okay, now the government should, through your employer, force you. So President Biden comes out at the end of last week. He says, look, I've had it with this. He said, I am going to require the private sector. I'm going to mandate that all companies with more than 100 workers require vaccination or weekly testing. But the the weekly testing, here's the bottom line of what Biden's doing. The weekly testing is, is such... It is so onerous. It is so it would be so expensive that he's essentially forcing the private, the private employers to say you got to be vaccinated because the cost of doing weekly testing and that that would end up being prohibitive. So he's essentially saying, I'm going to require this. Now, how, how you actually enforce it is another question. But the president is coming out and saying enough is enough. I am going to use the power of the federal government. I'm going to issue mandates through OSHA, and I am going to require that employers require their employees to be vaccinated. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Number one, I think this is screamingly illegal. I think this is the, the president of the United States, I do not believe, has the executive authority to just say, I am going to force private employers to force their employees to do this. I, th- this idea that we're going to try to do it under occupational safety and health laws, I, I just I don't believe Biden has the power to do it. But number two, I believe it's wrong. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If employers want to do it on their own, that's fine. But a federal government mandate, to me, even if I think people should be vaccinated, which I do, I think this is way beyond the scope of the President of the United States. I think it is illegal. And like I say, I want to encourage everybody to go get vaccinated. But I don't think this is the way to do it. 855-616-1620. We discuss. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's a text, Jeff. I'm totally in favor of mandated vaccinations. If we want to get to back to 100% normal, everyone needs to be vaccinated. We're traveling artists. Another one of our show was canceled today. This affects a whole bunch of people, you know, um, et cetera. And, and they're, they're saying, okay, it's affecting our livelihood. I, I understand that. Believe me, I want to get back to normal as well. I hate wearing masks. Oh, what's the big? Oh, I, I hate wearing masks. I, I find it to be, you know, in, in, I find it to, I, for a lot of reasons. Doesn't matter. I just hate wearing masks. But I understand you have these rules and you have to do it in some of these these circumstances. But but the fact that I don't like having to do something, the fact that all right, something that I have voluntarily done, other people don't want to do. That, and the fact that maybe it does affect me indirectly. I got to wear a mask because you got people that are choosing not to get vaccinated. Oh, okay. I understand that frustration. I understand if, you know, you're a, a musical performer and you haven't been able to perform over the course of the last, you know, several months or a year and a half. I, I understand it. I, I get it. I wish everybody would get vaccinated too. But that's because I want it to be the case. That's different than having the government come in and say, we're going to require employers of a hundred more people to require their employees to be, to be vaccinated. I mean, that, that's a, a heck of a step to have the government try to pressure private employees to private employers to force their employees to do something that they might not otherwise do. And by the way, there's nothing in the Constitution that says the federal government can require people to get vaccinated. And again, this comes from the perspective of somebody who is pro-vaccinated vaccination and wish people would do it. Okay, let's start with, um, let's see, we've got Kelly in Caledonia. Hi, Kelly. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think of all this? You know, I'm, I'm for people being vaccinated. I get it. But the thing is, 
people are forgetting to realize is there are religious exemptions. And amongst these religious exemptions, we are not going to be fully vaccinated. There is, and again, I believe people, you have the right to your own religion. I'm not saying anything bad in regards to that. But as a country, you want to be fully vaccinated. It's never going to happen because, for instance, I work for an organization that has about 80,000 individuals. Every year, 3,000 people apply for not getting the the flu shot because of religious exemptions. These same 3,000 people have applied for exemption for um, religious beliefs to not get the vaccine, and it has been granted. So, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, if we're all on board, unfortunately, it's got to be all or nothing. How can you mandate that? Well, well, right. That's just my opinion. It's my opinion. I'm not saying I'm right or wrong, but it's just the whole thought process that runs through my head. Like, how is this possible? Well, it, Kelly, it, it, it's it's and that, that's the reality. It's it's not, and it's and again, we're we are going to have to figure out how to live with COVID. And, and see, the I think part of it, and I I think part of it goes back to, you know, it's it's interesting because you know back in the when we were first developing a vaccine, you know, it got political, and you had people saying, oh, we, we don't want to rush these vaccines. This is this is Trump's rapid vaccine thing, and you know it's going to be rushed. And I think that spread some concerns. So I think some respect people on the left have some concerns. Then you've got you know the people that don't think the government should be forcing people. There's all sorts of reasons that we're in this situation. But the the truth of the matter is, I think we should do, and I think the government is perfectly right to do everything it can to encourage people to to get vaccinated. There's no question about it. And I have no problems with the different incentives and things like that. But that's a far cry from essentially requiring this. And I I think that the, the truth is, you just have to convince people, look, here's the bottom line. If you make that decision not to get vaccinated, you're, it, it's kind of up to you. It's kind of on you. you got to recognize that there's a much greater chance that you're going to be hospitalized. Boy, I just pulled out those numbers just a couple minutes ago. You're, there's a much greater chance you're going to be hospitalized and get sick, and then you're going to be really sorry, so you should do this. And, yeah, and I understand that there can still be breakthrough cases, but, you know, if you're vaccinated, your chance of being severely laid up with a, another round of, of COVID or a round of COVID are much, much less. Uh, but but this is this is the world we live in, and I think people have to make their own choices without the government requiring it. And and candidly, I also believe that the more the Biden pushes in this regard, the more we have mandates and things like that, the more it gets some people's back up, and they kind of make the decision that we're not going to be forced and told that we have to do this. Back with more in just a minute. <laughs> Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jim in Oconomowoc. Hi, Jim. How you doing? Good. What do you think? Okay, it, it, it's not to me. This isn't a question of should people be vaccinated or not. It's does the president of the United States should he be telling employers that essentially you have to force your employees to get vaccinated? Well, it, it's it's a process, right? Anytime you have a rule in OSHA, it takes years to develop a rule. Now, I mean, if you look at the eighties with asbestos, yep. I mean. Uh, that took uh, a long time. Like right now, they're, they're terming uh, COVID as a as a dangerous substance. Yeah, and I, and that takes uh, measures. How do you measure it? I mean, uh, yeah, you know. And if you if there's a lawsuit, which by the way, the circuit courts were stacked by uh, by President Trump. Um, very hard to huh. to to take this through the circuit court process, but. But the thing is, you measure it, and even if you're vaccinated, you can still 
get sick from it. So do you, does anybody win in this situation? Well, no. You, you know, th- Jim, you, you make a really interesting point. Uh, like, like OSHA, for example, has rulemaking authority. And your example of asbestos was great. You know, they, they, it's, they studied this for years. Lawsuits all over, all this analysis. And finally, you know, they came out with rules that said, okay, these are the rules with how you, you know, have to deal with asbestos, with the, these hazardous substances or, or chemicals or things like that. And Biden is trying to use OSHA. And, and this is where, in my opinion, at least, it's, 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 it's illegal. It, it, this this order would not stand in the courts when it's ultimately challenged. Um, it, it's just they're, they're trying to say, okay, we're going to treat a virus like we treat asbestos or, or like we treat dangerous chemicals. Well, you know, if, if that turns out to be the case, I mean, good luck with, with what happens when the next sort of virus rolls around. So I, I think he's on really shaky legal grounds on this. Again, my larger point and concern is every time he does this, I, I think it just – makes the people who have made the decision not to get vaccinated, and we're going to talk to you coming up in about 10 minutes, it makes them dig in their heels even more and gets us perhaps even further away from the goal of trying to get 80 to 90% of the population vaccinated. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Now, a number of people are saying, well, okay, all right, Jeff, you, what, what, what would you do if, if you don't think the government should be requiring people to get vaccinated? If you, you know, happen to be one of those people that just doesn't think that the President of the United States has the ability to wave a magic wand and mysteriously say, I'm going to force people to get vaccinated, what would be your answer? Well, I, again, I, I think what you have to do is you have to encourage people to voluntarily do this. And if they don't, then they have to be willing to live with the, the consequences. For example, I, I think the way Delta Airlines as a business has independently chosen to approach this is, is the correct way. They want their employees to get vaccinated. If employees aren't vaccinated by a certain period of time, what they're going to do is there's going to be, first of all, you're going to pay more for your health insurance, just like we do now with people who who smoke. That I believe that changes people's behavior. I was on this trip we just got back from. I was talking to somebody who, you know, used to smoke cigars, and I and they gave them up. And I said, well, why? And he said, well, our our company started requiring people to certify whether they were a tobacco user or not. And if you were a tobacco user, you, you had to pay more. And I said, I didn't like smoking cigars that well. And actually, that that's that's what happened with me as well. I was never a heavy-duty cigar smoker, but I would have one occasionally. Well, a number of years ago, the company, would, would, it wasn't good karma then, but I forget if it was scripts or journal broadcast or whatever, they started saying, okay, every year you have to file a certification saying whether you're a tobacco user or not. And if you... Are you have to pay more. Well, I didn't like smoking cigars that well, and so I, I, I stopped smoking cigars. And so I, I get that, that benefit. And I'll tell you the truth, I, I haven't had one. I never smoked cigarettes, but I haven't had a cigar since then. So it, it was that was the carrot. I didn't want to have to pay more. Some of the other things that Delta has done is they've said, okay, well, here's the deal. If you're not, um, if you're not going to be vaccinated, What's going to happen is you, if you get sick with COVID, you're, we're, we're not going to pay you. You know, if, if you're vaccinated, you know, and you get sick and you're off work, you're, you're going to continue to get sick pay. Well, you're, you're not going to get sick pay if, if you're sick. So they're providing that incentive. And there's a couple other things that they are doing well uh, as well, in, including the fact that again, your health insurance premiums are going to go up. They're going to require like that mandatory weekly testing. And, and that's, see, that's going to wear on people. I, I've had two COVID tests. Tests in the last 
10 days, not because I'm sick, but because um, even though you, when we went to France, even though you didn't need a COVID test to get into France, and even though I'm vaccinated, uh, the Wednesday, I think, before we were supposed to leave, both my wife and I, we felt fine, but I was like, okay, well, the last thing I want to do is go on this listener trip you know, and get over there and find that I, I've, I, I've got COVID that I don't know about. So, you know, we went in and we, we both, you know, had our tests and they, they came back negative and that, that's all well and good. And again, I, that I understand that I could have gotten sick with the, the virus, you know, in a couple of days before the trip, but we went in, we had the test, got the test results back the next day to get back into the U.S. You have to have a, a COVID test. So. On the ship on Friday, they brought in a pharmacist, and you know, Fran and I went down. We we had the we had the COVID tests. We had those one of those quick COVID tests. Had the results um, within an hour or so, saying that we we were negative. So so I've had two COVID tests in the last ten days. It's 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 not a particularly fun procedure to have somebody stick something way up your nose. I, I think that, you know, employers have every right to say, okay, if you're not going to be vaccinated, you want to keep working here, you're going to have to have the test every week. And I think that they could also say, and we're going to require you to pay for the test, whatever that the cost of the test is going to be. So, I mean, that's the way that I would deal with it, not having these mandatory vaccinations, but essentially, you know, putting in all these other requirements. I know that there's a, I, look, I understand there's still people that smoke, but I'm sure that there's a lot of people who stopped smoking when they found out that, oh, by the way, you know, we're going to have to pay more for our health insurance, things like that. I think there's stuff that you could do and employers could do that would get more and more people vaccinated without the heavy hand of the federal government saying you must be vaccinated. So th- those are the, some of the things that, that I would, would do. But, I understand that there's going to be some people who still aren't going to be vaccinated. And I want to talk to you because even though I support, I, even though I'm anti, as I was saying in the last segment, even though I'm, I'm anti-vaccine mandates, I, I am pro-vaccination, right? I am. I'm looking at a story in the Washington Post this morning. Un, and I, I have no doubt that these results are, are correct. Unvaccinated people were 11 times more likely to die of COVID-19. People who were not fully vaccinated this spring and summer were more than 10 times more likely to be hospitalized and 11 times more likely to die of COVID-19 than those who were fully vaccinated. All right, and then the report goes on to confirm that all three vaccines um, are, are efficient and, and have efficacy. It says Moderna is slightly better than the the other two. But but at the same time, you know, and look, there, there's no guarantee that if you are vaccinated, you're, you're not going to get COVID, although it, it's much less likely that you're going to be one of those breakthrough cases because the vaccines are, by and large, uh, effective. All right. But there, there will be some breakthrough cases. But your chances of getting covid if you are vaccinated are a lot, 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 lot. Did I say lot? A lot less likely than if you were, in fact, unvaccinated. That That's that's just the, the truth of it. And it's unquestionable that if you do get covid, uh, as one of these breakthrough cases after you're vaccinated, the chances of you dying or being hospitalized are very, very slim, especially compared to the people who, who aren't vaccinated. So if you're not vaccinated, you're kind of playing Russian roulette with your health. Right? So, so this isn't about should the government tell you you can't play Russian roulette with your health, but, but that's, that's it. 
So I, I admit that I am intrigued by this because for the longest time when we were having this debate, one of the things that I heard was, well, I, I, it's experimental. I, I, I'm not I'm not going to get this vaccine until it's it's fully been approved. All right. Well, now it's it's fully approved. So, you know, we're starting to see the numbers. We're knowing the efficiency. We're starting to see unquestionably both anecdotally and statistically, you know, the people who have not been vaccinated, who get it and end up in the hospital or end up dying, you always hear their family members saying, all right, this is a big regret. You know, these people were anti-vaccination or didn't do it or whatever, and, and now they're, they're really, really sorry. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I, I say this, and I'm not trying to be judgmental with this topic, but I am legitimately curious as to if if you've made the decision not to get vaccinated, why? Because I, 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 honest to goodness, I do not understand this. Now, I, I understand maybe in certain situations, if you've got obviously a legitimate medical condition, your doctor is telling you, all right, look, you have a history of allergies to these types of things, and you know we believe that there is a a chance that you're going to have a reaction to this. I, I understand, even though some of the science seems to suggest that you know pregnant women. Um, that, that there's no problem with it. I, okay, maybe that. But but outside of some of these narrow sort of exceptions, our number 855-616-1620, what is the, the thinking that goes into the decision not to get vaccinated? And, and, and by the way, I also understand that, you know, there's people who argue, well, I, I had COVID, I recovered, so I've got these antibodies. Oh, okay, I, that, that, that's fine. I, I was in that same boat. I had COVID last November, had some of the antibodies, but I still went ahead and got vaccinated because I thought, I guess, I don't want to get COVID again. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to end up in a hospital. I don't want to get other people sick. And I guess I didn't feel that it could hurt. And the truth is it didn't. 855-616-1620. If you've made the decision, at least thus far, not to get vaccinated, what's up with that? We discuss. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The school year is officially underway and all kids deserve a safe safe space to reach age-appropriate milestones and overcome developmental challenges. Please join our very own Gene Miller from WTMJ all month to help raise money for Penfield Children's Center in Milwaukee. To learn more about how you can help and about the mission of Penfield Children's Center, go to WTMJ.com. WTMJ Cares is sponsored by Gruber Law Offices, 855-616-1620. Jeff, I believe you are overplaying the seriousness of COVID to healthy, unvaccinated people. I'm not vaccinated, and I don't believe I'm playing Russian roulette. Well, I mean, I, I don't know how to answer that. I mean, the, the numbers are, they say 650,000 people during this pandemic have, have died from, from COVID. All right. Um, yes, I. most people who get it are sick, and then they recover. I had it in November. It was a very, very mild case. Knock on wood. That That's great. And But I consider myself to be one of the lucky ones. But still, e- even if the numbers are, I don't know, of the people who get it, and this Delta variant is more contagious than the original one, If especially if you're a little bit older or you've got some underlying health issues, and there's even any sort of any sort of possibility that you're going to get sick and you're going to end up in the hospital why would you want to take that risk i guess that's what that i say this legitimately it's what doesn't doesn't make sense to me beyond the question of well it's my right to to not do it it's well why why would you want to get sick why would you even if you're going to 
you know, be sick and maybe be in the hospital and then come out of it. And even if you're going to survive it, why would you want to go through that in the first place? He asks rhetorically. Mary in Grafton. Hi, Mary. You're on WTMJ. Yes. Good afternoon, Jeff. I was uh, just listening to you as I was driving here. And uh, you mentioned about uh, why people uh, Mm -hmm. shouldn't, uh, why they do not get vaccinated. The lady that was on saying, um, there's like 300 people because of their religion. It's not only just religion. Mm -hmm. If you look back, I myself, who have extreme allergies, Mm -hmm. have had so many allergic reactions, um, and you watch when this first came out, it was not recognized. It Mm -hmm. was just a, oh, it'll, it'll go away in five days, as Donald Trump said. Well, it did not go away in five days. And then you just yep. mentioned about the company that wants to tax people. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a ridiculous idea because for people that cannot have the vaccination and okay, um, Mary, let me just stop you. Tax okay, now. well, let me just stop you there for a second. And, and Mary, it sounds like you were in one of those first categories of people I threw it. I understand that there's going to be a percentage of people who, for medical reasons, and you sound like one of them, you know, you've had the extreme allergic reactions that you can't get vaccinated. And and I, I appreciate that and I respect that. But the vast majority of people who aren't getting vaccinated don't have an underlying medical condition like, like you have. And I guess, I get why you're not getting vaccinated because your doctor's probably telling you, hey, this could be a bad thing for you. But most people aren't in that situation. I guess it's those people that I'm talking to. I see. Okay. okay. All right. Well, I just wanted to get that out, Jeff, because, like I said, there's, I just feel sometimes that um, uh, government itself, we have enough throwing at us. And sure. um, but if it would have been recognized at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, it, um, we wouldn't be in this situation. You okay. know? No, God, no, so, thanks. No, I, I'm sorry. Thanks. And again, and I look, and there's always going to. There's always going to be a, a a certain percentage of people who have again the, the the medical reasons and and I I also I fault the CDC I, I think that the messaging on this whole COVID thing to your point Mary has been just it's been all across the board okay one one day we're told do this then a week later you know the the CDC has what in my opinion is a knee jerk reaction and we're going to do this and then we're going to go back and forth and, and I think that 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 those mixed messages have combined to this but still I, I guess it at the end of the day and we, we have we have all this stuff and we have all this data that's out there you you, you don't hear stories of, of people who've been vaccinated in, in any sort in any large number having extreme reactions that they're hospitalized or dying and I'm not saying that hasn't happened you know when you when you're going to have millions of vaccinations there's always going to be somebody out there that has that adverse reaction but you sure hear a lot more stories of the unvaccinated who are in the hospital or dying and i guess i, I get i legitimately do not understand that decision jeff in the past 6 weeks uh, during the delta spike my wife has had dozens of people in her ICU, of which is a greater of which a greater percentage have died. Not one has been vaccinated. Isn't that pretty strong anecdotal evidence for getting vaccinated? Yeah, it, it would be eight five five six one six one six twenty. Linda in Green Bay. Linda, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, Jeff. I'm I'm just not sure how you can justify not saying we need a mandate when I'm a nurse and. I have friends that work in a hospital that are so overwhelmed, they, they don't even know where to turn anymore. 
because of unvaccinated COVID patients. Mm -hmm. And vaccinated people that are coming in with true medical problems cannot be seen because they're waiting in the emergency room for hours. Because Let me ask you a question, Linda, and I'm legitimately curious. Why are so many healthcare professionals, in your opinion, deciding not to get the vaccine. I, mean, I was just talking about a story about this hospital in Texas, uh, yeah, Texas, I don't know if it was Texas or somewhere else, New York, upstate New York. It's now closing its maternity department because 25% of their nurses have decided to walk rather than get vaccine, get the vaccination. Why are so many healthcare people, in your opinion, making the decision not to be vaccinated? In my opinion, it's become too politicized. You know, if, if people would just listen to the science from the very start if people would have listened to the science rather than making it a political argument on whether what treatments are the best uh is covid really out there um you know take bleach for this maybe bleach would work um you know what let the science speak for itself we we have laws in this country we have laws that we have to wear a seatbelt and the government says if you don't wear a seatbelt, you know what you have more of a chance of dying and you're going to get fined yeah but then um, you but you also have the choice yeah. then of not driving i mean there but thank, linda thank, i don't want to get i don't want to i don't want to go down this rabbit hole because this isn't I'm, I'm trying to move on from the mandated you know vaccine because right the government says you have to wear a seatbelt or you can be fined but then you also have the option of of not driving that's yes we we have all sorts of rules that restrict our our abilities but that's also different than saying you have to be vaccinated but having said all that i'm pro vaccination i'm just not pro mandates again i just I'm having trouble with the, on the flip side with why more people are not doing it voluntarily. Unless you're like our caller earlier, Mary, who, who's you know the, the doctor says, okay, this this poses a danger, and there, there's going to be a small percentage of people you know like that. Um, I, I don't know if it's a political thing or not. I think people are just kind of making their decisions, or they're saying that it's not going to be that bad. I just. Um, unquestionably to me, the way out of this pandemic and all the other stuff is for people to get vaccinated. And I guess I'm hoping more and more people come to that conclusion and decide to do it voluntarily because I I appreciate what our last caller, Linda, was saying. You know, the ICUs are starting to get full again. And it's overwhelmingly people who are not vaccinated. So, yeah, I think it's fair to say that you are putting yourself at, if you make the decision not to get vaccinated, and yes, I understand the chances are if you get COVID, more likely than not that you're, you're going to be sick for a little while and you're going to recover and you're not going to be in the hospital and you're not going to die. But we also know at the same time that of those who are in the hospital and of those who, who ultimately die, the overwhelming majority are people who've decided to get to not be vaccinated. So why do you make that decision? All right, back with more in just a couple minutes. See, bottom line is, I want people to be healthy. I want us to get out of this pandemic. I want you all to be around, to be listening to this radio show for the next five, ten years, or however long I have the opportunity to do it. You know, but and, and to do that, we've got to, I think, make some of these decisions. I don't want anybody to get sick, and, and I think. I firmly believe that if you get vaccinated and if you make that choice, apart from mandates, your chances of getting sick or getting significantly ill are a lot less than if you don't get the vaccination. But that's just me. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
Yeah, I, I just, I mean, look, I, I don't have an answer to this. I, I, I hundreds of texts, literally, and, and people have different reasons, and 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 it, it's not all. The resistance to the vaccine, I, I get, is not all people who are crazy who thinks the government have, have implanted like microchips in the vaccine and stuff like that. It, it's in some cases some smart people who somebody just said, well, okay, my, my brother's a doctor and he believes that the body, that the natural immunity that you have has a better chance of fighting it off. I, I just, I, I guess we, we have to figure out a way to get past all this. And I guess I think for, for most people, the vaccines are in fact safe and they are by and large effective. And I, I just, I hope people start to consider that. And I'm, I'm afraid that some of the stuff that's going on now is just making people dig in even more on these various issues. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. As I said earlier, I, I love to travel. Okay, one of the downsides is I, I haven't seen my dog in like 10 or 11 days. We, we have a wonderful lady, Sister Pat, who takes care of, of Sasha. And I, we, we took her up there like a week ago Friday. And so my wife, and we, we got back from we got back from France. We, we didn't get home till we got home about 11 o'clock last night. So I was, wasn't going to drive over and pick her up. So, so Fran just went out and picked her up, sent me a note saying, the dog is now back at the house, running all through the house looking for dad. So I, I got to figure out. I have something to have to do right after work, but you know, tonight hanging out with the, the dog. But it's that's it, it, one of the joys of traveling. All right, so when we were in in Paris, um, saw a lot of the sights, saw the Eiffel Tower, saw the Arc de Triomphe, went past Notre Dame, and went past the Louvre, and all those different things. And and one of the the weird things we saw, we saw the what they call the Alma Tunnel. Um, they, they have all these the, these tunnels in Paris that you know go underground. The Alma Tunnel is where the ones. Um, well, uh, you know, 20 plus years ago, well, going on 25 years ago, where Princess Diana died, there's these, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's like tunnels in big cities and stuff that, you know, they, they go under, you know, underground and all. And it's the, the, the lanes are narrow. People drive like bats out of you know where. And that was the one where Princess Diana, we, we saw that where, where she, the driver lost control of the car and she passed away. The, the thing that I, I noticed driving on these tour buses, particularly around Paris, you you have lots and lots of congestion. I mean, going to the airport last evening, um, it was just I mean heavy traffic, people driving extremely quickly, and like enormous lots of congestion. The other thing that I noticed was lots of people are on on motorcycles. Now I'm not talking about the big Harleys. You don't you don't see Harleys over there, but I'm talking about some of the, you know, some some of the other types of smaller motorcycles that that are very very maneuverable and it makes sense in a big crowded city. One of the things that they let you do, at least they were letting people do in Paris, is if you are on a motorcycle, you can do what is called lane splitting. And and lane splitting means that let's say Okay, I'm just thinking about going to the airport and the bus yesterday. There are four lanes of traffic on, I don't know what they call them, but we'll we'll say a freeway. So you got four lanes of traffic where, you know, when the traffic is moving freely, you can be driving, you know, 70 miles an hour. Now, in between each of those lanes of traffic, you know, there's there's lanes, there's painted stripes that are there. And a car is in one lane, a car is another lane. Um, in, In Paris, they let the motorcyclists drive drive on the lanes so if there's room between you know one car and another they, they drive in between the cars and and i was watching this yesterday now the, the driver that was taking us to the airport was he, he was trying to 
you know, get us there as soon as possible. So he's driving kind of aggressively. He's changing lanes. People are changing lanes. It's incredibly congested. And you've got all these motorcycles that are driving at relatively high rates of speed who are lane splitting. They're driving between the cars. And I, I remember, I mean, one of the things I said to our group is I said, you know, there's, <laughs> you, you couldn't, first of all, you couldn't pay me enough to ride a motorcycle in, in Paris. Secondly, you couldn't pay me enough. There's no way in the world that I would be driving between these cars that are congested and all moving in. And yet that is that is what they, they do. It is the due course. And I was trying to ask the driver about this, but my French is not that good and his English was not that good. And I wasn't sure that we were getting across. But I'm thinking, my God, this is how these people do it. They're, they're, they're lane splitting. Now, in the United States, there is apparently one state that allows lane splitting. And of all places, that would be California. There are a number of states where what, again, lane splitting is not expressly banned. So there's questions about whether it's legal or illegal. And there are a number of, of states where there is a movement afoot to, to let motorcyclists, again, drive in the lane between the cars. The argument for doing this is that, well, there's an advantage to motorcyclists. It, it lets them get where they're going faster. It is arguably some people would argue safer for motorcyclists because if you're in heavy traffic, you're you're not in between two cars, you know. So uh, a car comes up behind you, or another car in front of you stops short. You know, you 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 can be out and you can be in the opening. So those are what the arguments are for doing it. Some people say that okay, it's also it promotes carbon emissions because the motorcyclists get where they're going faster, and, and there's a movement afoot to do it. I, I watched. Again, I, I watched this in, in Paris yesterday going, oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I, I, I don't I, I have no other way of knowing how many people, how many motorcyclists die on the Parisian highways. Maybe this is just something you get used to. But it looked to me like it was just an absolute total recipe for disaster. All right. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Should we reconsider? Like I say, in Wisconsin, lane splitting is not legal. Um, should we should we reconsider this? I mean, if motorcyclists want to drive and feel they should be able to drive between cars, two lanes of traffic. So uh, imagine, uh, again, our, our freeways around here, like coming out of Milwaukee. I mean, three lanes of traffic. Would it reduce congestion if during rush hour you could have motorcyclists who would, I don't know, drive between, you know, drive on either side of the middle lane, passing you on the right and left? 855-616-1620. My guess is a lot of personal injury lawyers would, would benefit from this because I think there'd probably be a lot more personal injury lawsuits. But this is, again, you're in Europe. This is the way they do it. All right, what do you think? 855-616-1620. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. One of the reasons I, I, I do enjoy traveling is I, I think it, it's broadening. You go to places and you say, "Huh, would would that would that work here?" And you know, I, especially I mean, I really noticed this yesterday. We're we're on the highways in Paris, and people are driving like bats out of you know where, and the cars are and it's heavily congested. But one of the things that is common is they have these motorcycles, and they're generally they're, they're smaller motorcycles. They move extremely quickly, and, and what they do in Paris is is they lane split. They you got like three lanes or four lanes of traffic. They drive in between the cars. 
and they drive fast in between the cars, and they whirl in and out. The only state in the country, at my understanding, is where, where it is expressly legal to do this is California. There's other states where it's unclear. It's, it's not expressly prohibited, but it's also not permitted. Would something like that work here? 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Jody in McGuanago. Hi, Jody. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Good afternoon. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. So, uh, like I shared previously with a gentleman who took my call, um, I'm a female motorcycle driver myself um, for a few years now, and I would not feel it safe as as, as a motorcyclist to, to do the lane splitting um, for a couple reasons. One, um, I feel that we're not really visibly, you know, seen very well, and right. somebody could um, cut in front of, you know, me or, or another motorcyclist, if they're you right. know driving down between a couple lanes or even on the right far right side, um, they might not see them and therefore cut them off. Yeah. And then secondly, um, I think sometimes motorcyclists are um, viewed as um, negatively sometimes as you know being aggressive or reckless. And I feel like um, you know with just increasing road rage that you know somebody might you know get angry and. and intentionally cut a motorcyclist off. I just feel it'd be very unsafe. Well, now the argument that some people would make is that, well, you know, it's also very dangerous for motorcyclists to be crammed in between traffic because, again, you might have the car in front of you that stops short or the car behind you that just gets too close. And I I appreciate that that's a risk Mm -hmm. you take on the bike. But, but yeah, Mm -hmm. to your, to your Mm -hmm. point, we're just not conditioned in this country to, I mean, when, when I look to change lanes, I'm, I'm looking to see if there's a car in that next lane. I'm not conditioned to see if Somebody's going to be coming up between those two lanes, especially at a high rate of speed. Right, right. And I and I think if they're going to be between a couple lanes, you know, they might, you know, feel at liberty to go faster than the rest of the people. So, yeah, they could yeah. be coming up, you know, more quickly than than the car might anticipate. So no. I think it'd be very unsafe, and I, I wouldn't feel safe doing it myself no. at all. No, thanks for calling. I mean, I, I really... Yesterday, I was trying to liken this experience, and like I say, everybody, it, it, it's it's congested, and, and yet people are moving fast, and our driver's trying to get us to the airport, and he's going through these different lanes, and people are swinging in and out, and there's motorcyclists that are doing this like lane splitting sort of thing. I mean, I felt in some respects like I'm I'm in the video game Frogger, you know, where you're just kind of jumping around and avoiding these cars, and I'm thinking, okay, well maybe maybe if this is something that you're used to, you you, you just understand that okay, this is it, you can't change lanes without having to. Look, but I, I just, I, I, I don't see that working in the United States. Let's talk to Mike in Bayview. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. How's it going? Real well, thank um, you. Would something like this work around here? Pardon? Would something like this work around here? I mean, the lane splitting. I, I don't think so. First of all, you know we, you know, I got a place that I got a place that when we uh, up in the Dells, okay, and we saw the, we saw motorcycles go in between. And I'm telling you, you know, people were totally, you know, surprised to see this, you know, when they went in between. And if somebody just would have swerved just a little bit, because I don't think our roads, I don't know if the roads are a little bit wider. I don't know what the heck it is, you know. But I'm telling you that, I mean, they just, it was just like an inch. That guy missed it by an inch. It was a, you know, how, you, how you're in a lane and you kind of go back and forth, you know, you're just not steady, you know. And somebody, and sometimes the people, they ride the, the, the line itself. Now, all of a sudden, now that your guy comes, you know, through there, I mean, geez, I mean, you know, he's going to get bumped up, really will, and he's going to get run over. I was afraid I was going to run over. I was thinking, boy, if, if, if that person hits him, 
you know, I'm going to wind up hitting this guy, you know, running over him or whatever. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, it was scary, yeah. You know, it's scary. I mean, th- th- that's exactly it. No, thanks. For st- so, somebody's saying, look, you can only lane split in, in Paris and Germany. They only, they only allow you to do it, you know, if you're moving at a certain rate of speed. I- I'm telling you, <laughs> it, it, you know, I- I'm telling you, traffic was moving pretty fast, and these people were, were lane splitting. I, um, Jeff, my sister and brother-in-law live in San Diego. My very first experience with lane splitting was shock. She tells me, though, the traffic, which is already bad there, would be a lot worse if they weren't allowed to do it. She's also a nurse at a major trauma hospital there and told me they really don't have a lot of injuries doing that. That being said, I would not trust any of my friends to do lane splitting on our freeway with the amount of reckless driving. Um, I would worry too much for the safety of the motorcyclists. Yeah, I think there is an element of that. Let's talk to Jeff in Fox Point. Hi, Jeff. Jeff, thanks for coming back. Uh, So I've noticed that there are two bad habits of drivers around here that I think would become disastrous with, with this. One is that Drivers, I've noticed, have tend to veer over to the side a lot more now, mm-hmm. and in some cases, even start to cross over the, cent- the the center a little bit. And then the other is that there's just a lot of people who do lane changes without signaling, and I think that if you add uh, lane splitting into the mix, then there'd be a lot more accidents. I don't think there's. Thanks for going. You're you're clearly correct. Um, I you know, Jeff, I'm often been surprised and had close calls with motorcyclists when driving in California, where I was changing lanes in very slow traffic, and a fast motorbike seemingly came out of nowhere. Well, yeah, that's the experience. Now somebody texts me and says, um, you know, Jeff, the average road speed in Paris is 15 kilometers an hour. That that's a different game. Well. Okay, first of all, we were on – okay, the, the streets of Paris are extremely congested. I mean, it, it's like trying to drive in New York City. And, and in the immediate part of Paris, you're going slowly because there's so many cars and they've got these roundabouts and all these things. And and But even there, you've got people that are shifting lanes. But, yes, the traffic moves slowly in Paris proper, the, the city. I mean, um, but – where I was seeing them do this, we, we were on the roads outside of Paris. Like I say, we're we're leaving downtown Paris. We're heading to to the airport, which is on the outskirts of Paris. And and you're on roads where the I'm bad with doing the kilometer. I'm bad with metrics, doing the kilometers to miles per hour. But we we are moving at freeway speeds, and these people are driving at freeway speeds. And I'm thinking, man, oh man, I just. I, I'm I'm not one of these people who is is oh we're you know everybody dri- everybody drives way too fast and we need to lower the speed limits all the time. I mean I'm I, I'm comfortable with seventy. I will tell you though I'm not comfortable with people driving between two lanes of cars on the freeway on a motorcycle at the speed of seventy. One of our texters it says he drives a, a semi truck for a living and says this would you you would. <laughs> You would have a, if you did this, you'd have a lot fewer motorcyclists or a lot more people selling their motorcycles. No, I, I don't think this one is an idea whose time has come. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. And this is Jeff Wagner. Um, been gone for a week. Some things change and so others remain the same. The out-of-control violence in the city of Milwaukee continues to be out of control. I, you know, I got back last night and this morning. I'm spending a lot of time just kind of like 
looking through the stuff that that happened over the course of the last week or ten days, and it's it, it's just it's one story after another. Here, here's here's the latest one: Milwaukee police investigating the homicide of a 16-year-old boy. It happened around 12:07 a.m. Monday, so that would be last night after midnight near Burley Street and Sherman Boulevard. They identified the victim sustained fatal gunshot injuries located at the scene unable to be revived by the Milwaukee Police Department circumstances leading up to the shooting remain under investigation now i i just i, I always hesitate to say some of these things because this is a terrible tragedy and obviously this this young man had family and every been people who loved him but i, I there's some of this stuff okay it it is a school night right i mean school is back in session you've got a 16 year old that is it's after midnight that's that's out on the streets, Burley and Sherman doing, I, I mean something, you know that, that caused someone else to shoot him. Now maybe it was maybe it was a robbery, but still it's. I, I guess I, I look at this stuff, and again I, I understand that you know now is different than you know then when I was raised. But I'm thinking if I was 16 years old, I, I as a general rule I, I don't know the circumstances. You know on a, on a Monday night where you're supposed to be in school the next day that I would be back out out on the street and that's in no way in, meant to diminish the, the significance of this loss and stuff but it's I mean it's the reason why you have curfews and stuff parents do you know where your kids are because just like nothing good happens out of sight of strip club at 2.30 in the morning I would say very simply that nothing happens good to minors out on the mean streets of Milwaukee you know after after dark it, it's just the, the reality now again I don't know all the circumstances behind this but there's a 16 year old that's dead he's on the streets at 12 o'clock you know after midnight and if all these kids were home they wouldn't be in a position to have these horrible things happen to them period live from the annex wealth management studios at historic radio city this is the jeff wagner show and now wtmj's jeff wagner i rarely do requests but um, I, I feel like one of those old-time DJs. Here we've got a request for you know Fleetwood Mac. You know, here, but here is the request. We, we just got back from Paris. One of the the ladies on our trip asked if coming out of the two o'clock news. So it was very specific. And it's always a challenge because I, I forget things quickly. The challenge was a- after the two o'clock news. Would you please, please, please do a shout out to my husband Don, and ask and tell Don that his wife is incredibly grateful, loves him, and wants to say thank you for letting his wife take his mother-in-law, which would be her mom, on the trip to Normandy. We, we had a, a mom and, and daughter, and they were just delightful. They they played golf with us. You know, they're part of our, our golfing group, you know, playing golf over the English Channel and stuff. And... Um, and, and mom and daughter went on the trip together, and mom was a trooper and went and did all these different walking things and stuff. But, um, yes, D- Don is the name I am supposed to mention. So, Don, um, your wife told me that you were supposed to be listening right now, and she wanted to say a very special thank you for letting her take your mother-in-law, her mom, on what she said was a trip of a lifetime. So there. Yeah, that's that's a nice request. Got got to do this. All right. Now, it's you know, I'm a big sports fan and it's kind of tough to follow sports like I was saying at the start of the show. I have no frame of reference on the Packers game because I made the choice to have lunch in a cafe in Paris as as opposed to like trying to get home early to hear the Packers game. How, as my decisions go, that turned out to be really well. But
But one of the things we were following is this incredible run of, of the Milwaukee Brewers. It, it's just amazing. You, you had the, the no-hitter. And, of course, we're, we're getting the games since there's a seven-hour time difference. You know, we're just, like, checking it in the morning. You know, you get up at 7 in the morning or 8 o'clock in the morning, and, you know, you're just starting to see the news reports of what happened. But this Brewers team, it, it's the real Real deal. And I, I mean, I don't want to put, to use the cliche, the cart ahead of the horse, but there's a lot of people who believe that the Milwaukee Brewers have as good a chance as anybody to win the World Series and, and put me in that category. I'm not saying definitively here on September 13th that, that the Brewers are going to win the World Series. All I am saying is I think this Brewers team has a go- as good a chance as any team you know, in Major League Baseball to win the World Series. Now, could could they lose to the Dodgers or the Giants in the first round or the second round? Yeah, they, they, they could. I mean, anything like that can happen. But I'm just telling you, this team is the real deal. And it's been just a blast to follow. You know, the three-game sweep in Cleveland, what did they win? Like 14 to nothing the first night. And then you have that no combined no-hitter. And I don't know, some people are saying, well, it's, you know, uh, Corbin Burns only pitched eight innings and Josh Hader came in. Who cares? It's a no-hitter. I mean, how cool is that? And then yesterday they beat Cleveland a, a 11 to 1. I mean, this is an incredibly dominant team. Just to give you the the numbers, I mean, right now the Brewers are 89 and 55. So let's do the math. Um, 89 and 55, that's 144 games. That means they got 18 games left, right? 18 games left. The best Brewers record, the best the team has ever done in the 50 year history of the Brewers. 96 wins, which they did in 2011 and 2018. All right, so right now the Brewers have 89. That means to, to win, to win 96 games, all they have to do, they can go 7 and 11. They, they, you know, they can go 7 and 11, and they're not going to go 7 and 11. So th- this team, they're, they're going to have at least the best regular season record of any team in Milwaukee Brewers history. On top of that, Generally speaking, 100 wins is recognized. If your team hits 100 wins, they are generally recognized as a, a truly a team for the ages, an outstanding team. And the Brewers, like I say, I mean, right now they're 89 and 55. So 18 games left. That, that's 11 and 7. And they hit 100 wins. And it seems to me that that is incredibly, incredibly doable. So th- this, this is a fun team. And wouldn't it be something? Wouldn't it be something after the Bucks win the NBA championship? And again, the Bucks, I think, were in the same situation the Brewers were in, you know, towards the end of the season or at the beginning of the playoffs. They were one of a handful of teams that, that had the possibility of, of winning it all. And, and, you know, and then things fell right for them. You know, they made the plays when they had to, and the Bucks win the NBA championship. The same thing could easily happen to, to the Brewers. Now, could it go bad? Yeah. But, but, you know, you, you want to look at the bright side of this. And, and just, I mean, how cool would this be if, you know, you have the Bucks winning their first NBA championship since 1971, and then just a handful of months later, the Milwaukee Brewers win their first World Series ever? Would not that be something special for, you know, little old Wisconsin, little old Milwaukee? And, and it's, it's a distinct possibility. And I've been saying this all year, that th- this Brewers team is absolutely for real. And there's... um. There's plenty of room on the bandwagon for you to still jump on. We've got. I think I'm going. I've got. I've got a 20 pack season tickets. I've already already uh, purchased the ones. Got the tickets for the playoffs. But we're going to go Friday, and then I think next Tuesday. Those are our final two games. And and it's entirely possible that any time now the Brewers will 
clinch the central division. I think their magic number is down to five, which is any combination of five Brewers wins or five uh, Cincinnati losses, and, and they win the division. They're going to win the division in, in a walkover. But it, it's just it's an exciting time to be a Milwaukee sports fan, and I think that's very cool. And, of course, I would be remiss if I did not mention that you can hear them every Milwaukee Brewers baseball game here on WTMJ. Listen to Bob Euchre and Lane Grindle and Jeff uh, Levering make their various calls. It's a it's a magical season. As for the Packers, well, it's only one game. I have no comment because, again, I, I did not see it, but it doesn't sound like I miss much. Speaking of football, I I was talking to some people the other day. True story. And I was saying, okay, you know, we're, you're watching football and stuff, and, and, and two separate couple said you know we we're, we're glad when the packers win but we've we really got turned off a year or two ago with with all the, the social justice stuff not because we're necessarily unsympathetic unsympathetic to some of the messages but it's because we we just don't like to have the politics sho- shoved down our throats you know there's a time and a place for for everything and there were there were two couples and they, they both were expressing this in very strong way they said no we haven't watched a football game in two years which i found oh that that's that's kind of of interesting the nfl has decided this year again that they will allow social justice messages on helmets so what's going to happen is players at their discretion can put social justice messages that will be stent that will be on the back of their helmet now there there's limited there's 60 cows that they can choose to wear end racism stop hate it takes all of us black lives matter inspire change and say their stories the end zones at all home games will feature the messages, it takes all of us, and end racism, except during games that have one-time messages like salute to service during a salute to service game. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Those are the only six messages that you could take, you can put on there. So if you felt like Blue Lives Matter, you couldn't put that on there. You know, if you wanted to send some other sort of, of message, you could not put it on there. You are limited to those six. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, there's, there's I mean, I, I guess you, you look at a lot of the messages and, you know, end racism. Well, I mean, how could anybody be against ending racism? Um, stop the, the hate. Well, how could anybody be against that the message? Stop the hate. Black Lives Matter, inspire change, say their stories. It takes all of us. In any event, the NFL has decided that they're going to jump back into the social justice thing. I was talking to some people the other day, like I say, who, who just said that this, this was it. We did not want to see this. We do not believe that this belongs within the confines of the game. Obviously, the NFL, the owners, they get to do whatever they want. And if they want to allow this, that's their discretion. My question is, will this turn off more people. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And my answer is, you know, I, I, I think so. Even if you don't have anything, any objection to some of the certain of these, these messages, you know, some of them, I think, have political overtones. And I think that the NFL risks continuing to alienate a portion of their fan base. And that, by the way, that doesn't mean that that fan base is racist or anything like that. It's just that I don't know. You know, they don't necessarily want to have some of these messages 
thrust down their throat when they want to watch a football game on a Monday night or a Sunday afternoon. 855-616-1620. What do you think? Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff, I guess my wife uh, will be happy that uh, my wife will be happy that we don't have to come home early on Sunday from camping. Uh, well, this is, I mean, a couple of years ago, you know, the NFL got got big time into the social justice movements and stuff, and and there was a fan rebellion. This year, the NFL has continued this, and if you're just tuning in, um, players have the option, if they choose, to wear any one of six decals. There's only, there's only six decals, but you can wear one of six decals that say, you know, um, let's see, Black Lives Matter would be one, end racism, stop hate, it takes all of us, inspire change, say their stories. I mean, that that's, that's the limitation. If you wanted to have a decal that said blue lives matter, you would not be able to do that. If you wanted to have a decal that said support your police, you would not be able to do that. 855-616-1620. Uh, this, I, I know, will continue to turn off a, a certain part of the populace um, where, you know, but I mean, again, other people are saying, well, this is and again, and the NFL has the right to do this. Don't don't get me wrong. And they can they can do whatever they want. The question is, then then the, the quote unquote fans, they can respond in their way too by not watching the games and not buying the merchandise. OK, let's start with Jacob in Pewaukee. Hi, Jacob. How are you doing? What do you think? I'm well. Thank you. Good, good. OK, so my point uh, here is. You know, I just don't understand that they're trying to direct these comments to end racism to racist people. I feel if you're that kind of person that's racist, they're not going to just turn off their racism because of all it's going to do is antagonize them more. So realistically, the only people that are listening to any of this stuff are the people that are not racist. So I guess I really don't know what they're trying to accomplish with that. Or what the or what the effect. Right. What, what the effect of it is. So what you're saying is, in other words, this is I don't want to put words in your mouth. But this is kind of like virtue signaling here. We're you know, this this is going to be virtue signaling, but it's really not going to accomplish anything. Right. I just don't think by you doing that, you're going to change some racist person. I mean, I don't know how people can be racist to begin with. That's a whole nother subject. But, yeah. you know, somebody's not going to watch TV and be like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't be racist anymore because they have this. Yeah. commercial or they have these statements i mean i just don't see that changing them well no, thank, no right, uh, uh, right. Exactly. Down their throats. well it's right the things well see that would be i think the argument we're trying to call attention to these issues okay that would be the argument but the i guess the, the fair question that you kind of raise is okay what what's are you really calling attention to the issue or are you just you know doing stuff because you want to virtue signal and make yourself feel good? Jeff, how many people would be offended if the helmets were to say, God bless America, we're all life matters? Well, let's leave the abortion one out. But that's an interesting that is an interesting question that of all the different choices the, the NFL gives, God bless America is not one of them. Now, again, blue lives matter. That, that's not one of them. You, you don't you don't have those choices. Now you don't have to wear one of these decals if you don't want. Although my guess is there's probably extreme peer pressure to try to wear this type of stuff. But yeah, if what what about? I mean, if we want to talk about you know highlighting issues or stuff, what about God bless America? Or what about you know unite us all? Or I, I just I raise this question. 
that's out there. Um, Jeff, only certain statements are allowed, either all or none. Sorry, but scrap it all together as far as I am concerned. Well, I mean, that's, that, that is the question. It, it's, you know, it is selected. Jeff, while I do agree with most of these selected comments, well, yeah, I mean, how can you argue with end racism? Okay. I mean, how can you argue with, with stop hate? Um, Black Lives Matter, you know, I, I can understand how some people would look at that and say, well, that's an endorsement of the Black Lives Matter movement, which, you know, you know, some people might agree with the concept that black lives matter, but all lives matter. And I see there wasn't just an abortion reference the texter was making. They were just talking about the all lives matter thing. Got it. Yeah, but it's one of these things that are out there where you have the, the whole scenario. How can you limit these types of things? Jeff, while I do agree with most of the selected statements, I don't want overpaid athletes telling me or us how we should feel. I'm going on year three of not watching. Um, yeah, I think there's there, there is this, you know, risk that is out there with people who are, you know, reacting. And again, the NFL gets the right to do this. Jeff, what's the difference between NFL players having messages on their jerseys versus having advertisements, sponsors, logos on them or in the alternative? Um, they are messages which do not take anything away from the game. Why people get bent out of shape with this is beyond me. Well, I mean, the, the answer to that is this is it, it's one thing, you know, when the people have the logo, when people pay to have the logos advertising their products on on the on their backs or the backs of the players jerseys and stuff. You know, that's advertising a product as opposed to selectively saying, all right, we're we're going to endorse certain positions to try to advocate for certain forms of, of social change. And so we're going to pick these out and we're going to be limited. And you get to decide which one you want to put, but but not others. I guess I see a huge distinction between this and the advertising that's there. The NFL gets to do it if they want. Will, will this in and of itself stop me from watching Packers games? No, it, it won't. But this is another thing that's out there that clearly, I think, will be a turnoff for a certain segment of the fans. And that is not necessarily a fan base that is racist. See, I don't think that's a fair thing at all. It's just people that might not agree with certain aspects of the you know, approved social change that the NFL is trying to push for and decides to vote with their pocketbook and say, look, I, I just I don't want this thrown down my throat. Can the NFL do it? Yes. Will it cost them viewers and fans? Absolutely. How many? Well, time will tell. When we come back, let's find out what Eric Bilstadt, who's in for John, has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News.